You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Good day, audio listener. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> we are back with another episode, and uh, we are well on our way into the year 2022. And uh, we talked about some resolutions last year. Not last year. Well, I might have. <laughs> La- hey, full disclosure, episode. we did the whole last episode before it was actually the new year. Oh, yeah. So that was actually a true statement. But we talked about resolutions, and I was thinking about some of the ones that I had. And uh, a few, obviously, we everybody wants to be healthier. But I've really made a conscious decision in the previous year, but I'm carrying it over this year even more, to drink more water. Right. And to eat a little healthier. So on Sunday, I actually drank over a gallon of water before second service was over. Whoa. Which would be eight of these 16 ounce water bottles. Before second service is over. So that's not even like 1 p.m. yet. I know. That's really good. And I peed twice during service and I felt kind of. I'm surprised it wasn't more. Yeah. Well, I held it in. Like I was sitting there like, oh. So you jeopardized Uh, your bladder's integrity. Yeah. Don't I'm surprised twice. I didn't get an infection. But you valued the word by staying in service. So good job. Yeah, and I'm trying to eat healthier. And the other day I was sauteing some spinach. And if you've ever done that, it's a little depressing because you throw in about a pound of spinach and it reduces itself to like it's this, like I can't this put sad little thing. I can't yeah. put the lid on. Yeah. Uh, you literally just throw so much spinach in the pan and then you're like tossing it and you're like, as, am I like taking it? Am I throwing it out of the pan and I'm not knowing? It's almost and like it a magic trick. it just shrivels up. Yeah. Because it's got so much water in it and now all that water cooks out and then you're left with this sad pile of mush, but it's really good for you. Uh, so I've been eating some more spinach. Uh, lately. What so. oil do you use? I don't need oil. Oh, you I don't even use oil. I dash a little bit of salt oh, and then I just toss it with some tongs. That's really helpful. But I have had it with some avocado oil and that's pretty avocado good. Avocado oil is good and it has a high heat point. Yeah, it does. So it's not going to smoke. High smoke point. Which, try cooking your steaks with some avocado oil. It's good. If you, good if you, if you don't have a grill outside and you got to put it on a pan, especially... If you don't have good ventilation I've in your house. got a Ninja Foodie Grill. There you go. And that thing is sweet. No smoke. Yeah. You got to cook with a high smoke point. Otherwise, you will set off your alarms and you will smoke out your family. That's and true. That's not good. You I've done that. You don't want to do either of those. More than three times. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. That sounds like a New Year resolution. That maybe yeah, you don't stop smoke smoking out your family. Oh, there's the <laughs> there's accent. There's the accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what are we talking about today? Um, I'm kind of asking a question. Well, we're talking about dating. Yes, dating. I realize that there a lot of our listeners are already married and have families. Great opportunity for them to share this episode with their kids. With the dating or non-dating individual. Yes. And so we realize, you know, that's a lot of our listener base, but there are some people who are single. There's some young people listening. We know that Paige Hatterley's son listens, Micah. And, uh, he should not be dating. Yeah, he should not be dating. Um, but he will get to an age where he wants to. And there will be an age where it's appropriate to do that. And we want to talk just a little bit about this subject. It's very controversial. When you should, if you should, how to go about it. And we just kind of have some thoughts on it. We're by no means experts. I want to say I'm not an expert. No, I'm an expert in how to do it the wrong way. I've done it the wrong way a few different times. I'm not even an expert in knowing the way. Yeah. And the more that I get older, I've realized that there are a few different ways to approach it. 
Um, there's not just one. Uh, I would say maybe there is the best way, um, but there are some ways that we can talk about today, and we're going to call it Save the Date, okay? And the reason why I'm calling it Save the Date is because I believe that in some instances in life, you should save the date, like do not date until the right time. And then saving the date is obviously a term when it comes to people getting engaged and getting married. So the goal is to get married. See, listen, the goal of dating, we're just jumping right into it, okay? The goal of dating is to find a spouse and get married. I'm going to say that again. That's well, can, the goal of can dating. Can I say it? Yeah. It should be the goal of dating. It should be the goal of dating. And here's the deal. We've both been, uh, well, you're in it now. You are a youth pastor now. I was a youth pastor for 11 years. And you see kids come through the doors of your youth room all the time, holding hands with somebody new. And this is a uh, uh, this is a thing that's plaguing the younger generation because dating is not a hobby. It's not a fad. It's not something that you do just to do. And one of my youth pastors told me this. It was actually Terry Lewis, who was my youth pastor before Steve was my youth pastor. And she said this. It rocked my world. It ruffled some feathers. People got upset. But this is what she said. And this is a very intense statement. Are you ready for it? I'm starting to get nervous, so please give it to me. (laughs) She said, dating is practice for divorce. I heard that from Steve, so she she must have passed it on to Steve. And in the context, not all dating, because we're going to actually talk about healthy dating in a little bit, but dating in the wrong season, especially when you don't understand what the end goal of dating is, which is to find a lifelong partner till death do you part, right? That's the goal. If you're dating outside of that outside of that mindset, outside of that goal, you're really practicing for a divorce. And I would even say this in my own life. I dated a few different people in high school. But, you know, we they break up for the stupidest reasons. You didn't wear my jersey to the football game, right? I saw you talking with Monica. Wait, well, that's in essence cheating, right? But all these crazy reasons, and then you find people in high school who've jumped from boyfriend or girlfriend multiple different times. They're practicing getting sick of one person, getting offended with one person, and then moving on to the next person. And they're getting all this life experience by the time that they're 17, and you you expect why we have such a high divorce rate, or you wonder why we have such a high divorce rate. We're setting these kids up for failure there could be some correlation there for sure. I think there might be some correlation. So she said dating is practice for a divorce, specifically in the context of I would dare this is this is crazy to say, in elementary. They're doing it in elementary school. Yeah, they are. Middle school and in high school. Preschoolers will walk around, grab each <laughs> yeah. other's hand, kiss each other on the face, yeah. say, You're my girlfriend. Yeah. My daughter asked to marry me today, and I actually went through that ceremony with her at lunchtime. So maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> but this podcast she's like, Daddy, is Daddy, will you marry me? I said, Sure. And I got down on my knee and I said, Charlotte, will you marry me? She said, Yes. And then I gave her a big hug. And I, that, that was to it. Warm your heart. Though, it did. Bit. It did. Uh, but yeah, so. We got to get a, a proper viewpoint and a proper understanding of what this really is. And again, I'm reiterating, but redundancy is the key to effective communication. The end goal of a dating relationship is is marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you really want to be very sure of the direction you're heading even before you start the dating process. And that's hard. And I'm not going to say that right before you date, you know that that person's the one. That's happened with certain people. That's amazing. You may not always know at that time, but if you do dating in the right way, you're going to help 
find that thing out. But if you aren't, if you don't have that mindset of, hey, I'm going to date this person to really, the, I keep repeating myself, but the goal is to, is to marry. He's really making out, sure you get it. If, if you I go this through person, this podcast and you don't realize <laughs> yeah. that dating yeah. its purpose right. is to get you to the point of right. marriage then you aren't well listening. even as adults we say uh, you you go i'm gonna date this person we'll see where it goes i don't know i'm lonely i'd like to you know i'd like to fool around a little bit you have all those types of meaningless things that is just setting you up for failure take a breath yes take a breath sorry i'm, a little, say, I'm a little stuffed up and i'm talking fast and then i lose my i lose hear my you breath. so i'm excited to hear what you have on this so you, we're gonna get into good ways today is that a good way to say it we'll get into a dating why you plan? shouldn't date in a certain age range and then good ways to date once you reach i would say certain criteria okay we'll say that i'm here to learn well i've already well, picked you, my well, you're so. here to help uh, but i hear you never should stop dating your spouse no you should never stop dating your spouse and we'll say that I'll say this: when you first start dating, it starts out in a realm called infatuation, which is you're just enamored with every aspect of them, um, and it's amazing. And you eventually move out of the point of infatuation, and then you have a decision to make because uh, the butterflies kind of leave, and then the decision to love. That's why love is a choice. It's not a feeling that you fall in and out of. It's a choice because after the infatuation leaves, you choose every single day to love that person. But there are things that you can do, like practice dating well into your marriage that help revive some of that spark and keep that going. Um, Thank you for saying that. I'm sorry if I distracted you from no, the place you were going to go. No, you're good. I've only been married for four years, but we go on dates every single Tuesday night. We dress up. My wife looks hot. I try and look as good as I can. I feel bad. Like girls, they get all dressed up. They they put the makeup on and a guy's just like, what do they do? Make sure they don't stink, right? <laughs> but we go on a nice date and we kind of enter into that dating season again where it's kind of, you're not sure if that person likes you. I know my wife loves me, but you act in a way, you flirt, you kind of do that kind of stuff. And it's fun. It seems like sometimes we give the most when we've, we're have we unwilling to give the most commitment. But once we've given yeah. the commitment, we stop giving the most. Oof. But hey, once we've given the most commitment, praise God, it's the time to give our best. Yeah, it's the time to give our best. So let me say this. Let me present this for your consideration, audio listener. If you have kids, maybe you are a kid listening to this. Um, I would say that middle school and high school probably isn't a very good time to date at all. And you might set certain, and I'm not telling you what to do. You might say, hey, my kid, when they get to this age, they can date. You know, when they get to be legally of age 18, you really, there's not a whole lot you can do anymore. Um, so what do you do with that? But we can set some good boundaries. And I think uh, boundaries are really important to have. Um, what was it that I think it was Paul saying, he says, don't remove the ancient boundaries, which your fathers. No, that wasn't Paul. That was Old Testament. I was going to say, that sounds like it's an like Old Testament Joshua. scripture. Anyways, there's a scripture in the Bible somewhere. If you can tell me where it is, great. But it says, do not remove the ancient boundaries. And that was actually talking about land boundaries, but we can draw uh, another parallel or comparison out of that, that there are some boundaries that were set up long ago by people smarter than you. And when you remove them, you remove the safety covering. And I think they're there um, um, to really help you. And a lot of times we feel like rules limit us. Um, but these boundaries, think about a guardrail on a cliff. A guardrail is there to preserve your life. If it wasn't there and you went too fast around a corner, you would die. 
but that's there to help preserve your life. And you can sit there and go, why is that stupid thing there? If I want to go off the cliff, I'm going to go off the cliff. You would think that's crazy talk, but we kind of talk that way when it comes to relationships. If I want to do this, I'm going to do this. And who's going to stop me? And I'll deal with the consequences. Well, we aren't dealing with the consequences. If you look at uh, abortion rates and things and and single how single parent houses. And the truth is, it's not just you that deals with the consequences. Your consequences affect your family, your loved ones, and everyone around you yeah. too. So it's a selfish thing and not even a realistic thing to say, I'll deal with my circumstances. Unfortunately, we have to deal with your circumstances yeah. as well. That's a bummer. So why I think that dating in middle school and high school is a waste of time and really setting you up for failure in your future is because dating and marriage in that fact is really all about meeting needs. Were you going to say something? I was going to ask you a question, but yeah. that question could lead the podcast in a different direction. I, and I, don't I know what I'm going to say. So you can ask that question and I'll come back. Okay. Well, I was going to say, you're talking a lot about dating and we try to base everything we do off the Bible. What does the Bible say about dating? Um, the Bible says a few things. The Bible says, actually, the Bible doesn't really say much about dating, actually. Um, actually, doesn't say anything about dating. <laughs> it does say a lot about relationships. Right. I'm thinking about Proverbs um, ugh, 16, 18. Right. The man who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. I think of the story of Jacob and Rebecca. There's a bunch of stories. Yeah, there's a bunch of stories. And I think we have a lot of stories. You have a story. I have yeah. a story. For everyone that's ever gotten married, we have a story. Right. But we as people like to sometimes toss off the responsibility of following God on our own mm. and follow someone's story instead mm. of following the Holy Spirit. So I think I think that's just the humility in all of this that we need to take. Right. Even he said it, um, you know, we might not have, we aren't experts. Uh, right. We don't have all the answers, but there are different ways that it goes about. Um, but I'm just going back to my thought yeah. on this and I'll just. Maybe if this is the only thing I say in the podcast, that's all I get out. I'm just going to go for it. Blow it all out right now. Is what I come to realize, I was real prideful. I was I was reading way into people's stories and following people's stories. I even remember one minister saying he was dating a girl and he took a month of time to fast and they both fasted and after that month they knew if they should marry <laughs> each other or not. So I did that same thing and I wasn't following God. I was just trying to go, okay, can somebody write me a policy and a procedure on how to find the right one, Mm. find the right one, based out of fear too, because I've heard different ministers say, or another minister say, the number one way that people don't fulfill the call of God on their life is marrying the wrong person. It's like, whoa. That's a heavy statement. That's a heavy statement. But if we look at the Bible, it says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever. Yep. And it gives a bunch of responsibilities for a husband and a wife. Yeah. So when I look at those main responsibilities and the things that come up in marriage that are even statistically brought up that divide people, there's three things that I just wrote down here. Can I share them real yes. quick? And I think it comes into play with why we don't date in middle school and elementary okay. school. It all ties in. Three things, sexuality, money, and family issues. Mm. So first off, when you're in middle school and elementary, you're undergoing a bunch of changes sexually. Actually, pornography, I'm just going to go there real quick. Do it. Pornography is really hard on marriages. Mm -hmm. And middle school boys are the largest consumer of pornography of all people that consume pornography. 
So first off, how is somebody <laughs> middle school <laughs> or high addicted school to addicted to, to a fantasy, addicted yeah. to fantasy, and has no ability? Understandably, great challenges of handling right. that wildfire that's mm-hmm. burning in so them biologically. When they enter a girl into that, you're no longer making mistakes with yourself. You're making mistakes with other people. Another person. And the consequences aren't just affecting you now. They're affecting both people and they're affecting and their the future and their futures. Yeah. spouse that you're going to be with. So that's sexuality. Ooh. Money. What's the issue with that? Independence? Yeah. What middle school or high school student is yeah, financially independent? Right into, yeah. Keep going. And then lastly, family. And what I'd say with family is differentiation. Can you look at your family and differentiate yourself from the family, recognizing what are maybe some habits that your family line and generationally you want to move from, ones that you want to carry? I mean, even Jesus said this, a man leaves his father and mother cleaves to his wife. wife. There's a differentiation. None of those are realistic or should be realistic with the people in that age range. That's perfectly that's like a, right what I, that's right in line with what I was going to say good job okay so yeah the the number one reason why well not the number one reason reasons why you shouldn't date in middle middle school and high school is because relationships marriage all of that is about meeting needs and so i love how you put it i'm going to kind of reiterate and then add a little bit to some of that love that so uh, I'm talking about an ideal situation. I understand that there are kids in, in middle school and high school who don't have parents, might be living with a grandparent, might be living with somebody else, uh, split homes. I get that. But let's just talk about the ideal situation if mom and dad are present. Um, a woman needs her needs met. And so let's think about one of the first and or one of the most primary needs for anybody is shelter. Um they already have that need taken care of by their dad um, or whoever they're in, whoever, whatever household they're in. Um, and you can't provide that need for them because you aren't providing your own shelter, right? Uh, they need financial security, right? Which is probably going to be already taken care of by their dad or whoever they're in care of. Um, and again, if you are taking someone on a date and you're asking mom and dad for 20 bucks and to drop you off at McDonald's, I'm sorry, you're not a man, you're still a boy. Uh, and then emotional needs, emotional security, and even let's just say love. And I'm not saying a dad meets that. So you got to hear me out, but there is a type of emotional security and love that is met by parents and by the dad, the love of her dad. And it turns into a different type of need and a different type of love once you enter into a season of marriage. Um, so hopefully, please, podcast listener, hear me when I say that that emotional and that love um, being met by her dad is not a sexual type of love. Um, does I that think make sense? I get that. Absolutely. So you as a middle school boy on the JV, var- you know, the JV basketball team with your biggest problem right now is acne. You have zero way of meeting this chick's needs. These poor middle schoolers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, middle schoolers. But I've seen it. I mean, I've been in youth ministry. Yeah. I've seen it. And here's the thing. They can't meet any of those needs. So nothing's changing. You're not meeting any of this girl's needs. But the only thing that's really changing is you hold hands in between classes, you kiss, and then mom and dad support your dating habit. That doesn't seem like a recipe for success at all. It's like the Bible doesn't give us a description, but if it was going to give us a description, we know it wouldn't be that. 
<laughs> right. So I, I, and that's just true even in my own life. I remember when I was in middle school and in high school, I dated a few different people. And again, I had to ask my dad for money and I had to ask my dad to drop me off. And really all I was doing was, I didn't know if I was going to marry this person. I was just infatuated with this person and I wanted to push boundaries. Mm. And when you push boundaries far enough, what happens? You fall off the cliff. The best way to not fall off a cliff is not stay on the edge. Don't stand on the edge. And so that's the whole concept of even why Jesus, not Jesus, God said, stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? He said, don't even be around it. And a lot of times we may not go to that extreme. You know, we always think like sex before marriage. Don't do that. But we'll do a lot of other things. We'll push the boundary. And I'm going to get maybe uncomfortable for some of you listeners. In middle school and in high school, they may not be doing the actual deed, but the hands are going places that they shouldn't. I'm sorry. Boom, go there. Yeah, and then what does that do? Leads to even worse things. And eventually, they will make that mistake um, of giving up their purity for momentary satisfaction with someone who really is not going to be in their life within three years. And again, you'd say, well, come on, let's let's get some scripture on this. And it's a yeah. tough book to let's understand. I know but going. the Song of Solomon says, don't awaken love before it's time. Yeah. So again, we're looking for an age range or right. what that is, but God wants to deal with you yeah. specifically and relationally to reveal that yeah. to you. But we're saying, here are some things that would show that it's before your time right. to awaken love. Yeah, and that scripture goes on to say, well, it says, don't awaken love before it's time because when it's awake, it's impossible to put back to sleep. Yeah. And that's even with young boys it, caught up in pornography, you're awakening a certain sensation and desire that you didn't know you had before, and then they become addicted. And then that goes all through marriage. And, and I know we're saying, hey, young boys, but yeah. three out of 10 girls these days are addicted to pornography as well. That's right. nearing 50%. Right. And so- at every age range, you have the ability to be extremely selfish, but I would say that with immaturity comes more selfishness. And so when you're in middle school and you're in high school, you're primarily thinking about self. You're thinking, you're thinking about me, myself, and I, and what's best for me. And really, and just looking at the psychology aspect of it, or just the, the brain aspect and, and how your brain works, at that age, you really don't have the ability to think long-term mm. and look at long-term consequences. That part of your brain doesn't get fully developed until you're 25. 25. Um, and so I, we're just building a, a really strong case here for <laughs> not dating in that age range. Yeah. Um, but I know it still happens, right? And to a degree, I'm not here to tell you as a parent right. or even me as a parent, when I have children that age, that I'm not going to allow them to date. I don't know that yet. Yeah. But these are things that we should at least consider. Yeah, I don't know. I'll say this again. I, like when it comes to allowing your, and how do I say this? I'm talking to men again. So in biblical structure of marriage, the man leads. Not to say that the wife doesn't have a role in leadership when it comes to the family, but ultimately the man leads, gets direction from God, and he, and he, leads, his, and he leads his house, he leads his family. And... Again, I hope this doesn't get misconstrued, but men, no matter what age range you're in, there's still something about men that is authoritative and, and it draws attention and, it, and, and people follow. 
and women especially follow. So where the man goes, the woman follows. In middle school, where the boy goes, the girl goes. And so if the boy doesn't have boundaries set up, that girl might have boundaries. She might have some respect for herself. But if the boy doesn't have any boundaries and he pushes those, just like a man leads in a marriage in that stupid little relationship there where he's manipulating, where he goes, the girl follows. And there's a lot of responsibility and young men don't even realize that. And I don't even know if they're even supposed to understand that yet. That's still that like that part of your life is not supposed to be awake yet. But you got to realize that there is some authority and leadership that comes with just being a man in general. No matter what age you're in, people are going to follow. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so I remember God spoke to me about that even when I was dating. He says, you got to be very careful with what you do and where you go and what you say and how you handle this relationship with this girl. Because where you go, she's going to follow and I'm going to hold you accountable because that's my daughter. And if you're going to lead her into that temptation, I'm going to hold, I'm holding you responsible. And not to say that she gets off the hook scot-free, but I'm taking the brunt of that because I'm the man, right? There's some responsibility that comes with that. So can I ask you this question? Yeah. Full disclosure, we were pretty hard on the middle school boys today. <laughs> Hopefully they're not crying. Yeah. <laughs> Mother, maybe you listen to this podcast and then you communicate this to your middle school boy. It might be a little harsh. But what about the 20-something, the 30-something, the 40-something, whatever age range, they go, I'm not a middle school. I don't deal with acne as much. <laughs> what do I do now? I feel like yeah. I'm at a decent spot. Can you give me any pointers when I'm good? Yeah. And so we'll take a, I mean, yeah, you're, you're out of high school, but I realize that people are still going to date in high school. So I'm just going to give a broad list of criteria, but basically I can tell, you no, and you might still do it. And so knowing that, um, that was just my opinion, but if you're still going to date whatever age, if it's middle school, if it's high school, here's, well, not middle school. Actually, middle school, you're done. You can't. Sorry, Jonathan's middle school. I'm putting boys. an absolute on that yeah, statement. Here's what I think. If you're going to date, there's a few things that you need to have in place. I think you need to have a car because if mom and dad are dropping you off at your dates, um, I'm sorry, that just doesn't fly with me. And then I think that you need to have a job because in that moment where you're at the movies, at least you can meet a small financial need and pay for her ticket, Right. I'm really talking to the men here, but I think maybe even with the women, I think that's might be a good thing. Have a job, have a car, be able to not rely on your parents for something. Um, and then when it comes to being of age where you're actually really looking for a spouse, um, I think dating in the proper context is a good thing. Um, there's a book that I read that really helped me called True Love Dates by Deborah Folletta, and she really talks about practical ways in how to date someone biblically in a way that you don't get your heart hurt. Well, actually, I think anytime you engage in a relationship, you're entering into a vulnerable spot, you might get hurt. Um, but doing it in a way that is healthy, that if it doesn't work out, um, you're not you know, calling in sick for two weeks, eating Ben and Jerry's, and your life's ruined, but really trying to figure out a way on how to um, do it, do it accurately. And it's been a while since I read it, but I remember um, she talked about a series of flags, red flags, yellow flags, and green flags. And this is really important. So she said, when you're 
entering into a dating relationship with somebody, you got to actually start taking notes and, and taking account of things that what they say and what they do. And that might sound really harsh. But if you're potentially going to live with this person forever, you should probably take more care in finding a spouse than you do, you know, buying a car or opening a bank account. You think of all the hoops that you jump through and, and the time and considerations and I got to find the right deal and it's got to be the right color. It's got to be the right model. It's got to have the right mileage, all that kind of stuff. We take so much care in buying a car, but we just totally are blindly led by feelings when it comes to relationships. So she said, when you're dating someone, you got to figure out red flags, yellow flags, green flags. Green flags are things that you have on your list. Good biblical things that you say, this is what I'm looking for in a spouse. These are awesome. Green light for me. Then you have yellow flags that say, if these things didn't change, I could still live with this person. Really important. Then you have a list of red flags that say, if this never changed, I could not live with this person. Write those things down. Pray about them. Actually, let God help you form that list. Say, for me, it's like, obviously, you got to be saved. If this person is not saved, if they never got saved, and you might be dating them thinking, hopefully, I'll get them saved. But if your red flag is, I, ha I, I can't marry a non-believer, then you shouldn't even engage in that dating relationship to begin with. Because if it never changes, you can't live with that person, then you got to follow through with it before it even starts. Does that make sense? So those things, you got to write them down. Let God help you develop that list of the red flags, and the yellow flags, and let that help guide your relationship. Because so many times we, we make, we'll make kind of a semi-formal list and we, we'd be like, you know what? I'd really like this to be this way. I'd really like them to do this. I'd really like them to change this. But then we get led so much by emotion that we tolerate these things that don't change. And then 10 years into the marriage, you're really struggling or 10 months into the dating relationship, you're really struggling because you tolerated the red flags. And a lot of times you don't even know what they are. And that's why it's so good to make that list beforehand. Green flags, yellow flags, and red flags. I, I think that's great. And I think there's a plethora of information because it's a very intensified topic I've come to realize because it's just something... The majority of us all want, we want a relationship with someone from the other sex in the Christian world that's fulfilling and life-giving. So we we read, we listen, we talk, we compare, we write down. And from my journey, I realized that I didn't have, I didn't have a deficiency of knowing how to find the right one or what they should be like or what to watch out for. I've... I felt like I searched that out a lot, but my problem, and I'm not speaking to everyone. Again, I'm speaking in humility. If this is way off for you, just write it off as way off. But I realized I emphasize finding the one when God really, if I can just go straight from scripture, it more emphasizes on who I should be as a husband. Yeah. Coming the one. If I wrote the Bible, I'd probably write it more on being led by the Holy Spirit and what to find in the right spouse. But if I look at what Paul writes about it, he writes mostly about being this kind of husband, mm -hmm. which is after the fact. I'm like, Paul, help me find the one <laughs> instead of be the one. But I really realize in the development what it takes to be the one, which is handling yourself sexually and not having sexual immorality, handling your money well. I mean, Paul said, if you can't provide for your own family, you're worse yeah. than a heathen. Yeah. Talk about strong talk. Yeah. And then lastly, that differentiation from your family and being able to help someone. Those are things that are emphasized by the Bible. Mm -hmm. And if I focus on that, 
I really believe this doesn't sound, this almost sounds too far, but there's some sovereign aspect to God where he lines the rest of it up. I don't know how to say it exactly right. Maybe it's being finding the right one, but it just happens where you come together. But instead of finding that one, really be that one and learn. Listen to what people say about you. Listen, look at your family relationships. I realize for myself, um, again, just in humility, uh, saying my journey, I realized I had a lot of obsessive compulsive things that were happening relationally. And I, I was struggling. I, I would date someone and I would get obsessed with anxiety. And you, you would think it was God. We say we follow peace. But I don't think we have Christians really dating too many other Christians. I think we have a lot of Christians who are like, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, uh. Real Christians who aren't trying to live worldly, they get obsessed with trying to find perfection yeah. that they'll never find. And I realized I date somebody, get filled with anxiety break up with them, but then miss them and then start hanging out with them again. <laughs> if that's a journey for you, it's tormenting. Yeah. And I got godly counsel and I was trying to find certainty. I was trying to find, and I realized nothing in my life I've had absolute certainty, maybe call it faith. But I got to a spot with, with my wife who I'm with now, my amazing, lovely wife. I never wanted to live without her. Yeah. She had a lot of green flags and Thank God for a godly spouse. Just I'm just sharing a little bit of my heart and yeah. testimony on this. She put a she put a qualifier like I'm not going to date you for four years. We've known each other. You've had a lot of hard, and this is either going to go somewhere or I'm out. Wow. And I'll be okay with that. Wow. And I I got counsel on it, and I wanted people to tell me, you know what? I think this is the right person for you. And I would get filled with anxiety trying to find certainty, but I realized God was leading me to commitment instead mm. of certainty. And uh, for me, some people, and my wife has a very different story. She felt like God literally led her to me specifically yeah. and there were numbers that lined up and who <laughs> knows all the things that lined up. But for some of us, God's trying to get us to a spot of commitment, but don't commit before developing who you are. And I think that's where a lot of problems happen. But I just encourage those that are afraid um, and lack the faith to move forward and would rather stay in a lack of commitment and date quasi date. It's not the way to go. That's no. not godly. No. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that she referenced in her book was that a lot of people live this cup half full life and they think that when they find a spouse that it'll fill the cup and finally be fulfilled. And that's a terrible way of looking at it because a spouse was not made to complete you. If you actually, <laughs> Looking at it biblically, Adam was already complete, and actually something was taken away from him. Wow, true. Uh, to to add, and I'm not saying a wife takes away from you, but just the the point I'm trying to draw from this is that Adam was already complete when his spouse was made for him, and so uh, you are complete in Christ. And I always think of that movie called Vanilla Sky with uh, Tom Cruise. There's a famous line, and he looks at the girl and he goes, "You complete me," and it's just like really dramatic and that's great and all. And you know, there's, I've been a part of weddings where people say that in their vows, but honestly you need to find your fulfillment and completion in Christ first because the spouse will never ever do that for you. They're like the cherry on top. You get saved your life in Christ. You got the whole cake. Now you get a, maybe a cherry on top with your wife or your husband. Um, 
and we got to wrap this thing up. But um, Bob Yandon was here a number of years ago, and he talked about how to find a mate. And I like what you said. Be really focused on becoming the right one, then finding the right one. And there's this age-old debate. Is there only one person for you? That We could talk about that for a long time. I think it is fruitless. I think that instead of thinking about finding the the one, you should focus on becoming the one. And I talked about the list of green flags, yellow flags, red flags. For as long as that list is for the person that you're wanting to be married to, you got to think that they're probably going to have a list and you need to make sure that you are living up to biblical standards. So when that person does come into your life, um, you know, it's you gonna, fit the bill. You fit the bill. And preparing yourself. And so this is a way in preparing yourself because, you know, the right person might come along, but if you're not ready, then uh, they might leave and that would suck. But um, Bob Yenyan said this. He said, how to find a mate. Number one, uh, work the land. And so he talked about Adam working in the garden. It says that God put him to work and he was hard at work, naming things and tilling the land Um, So he wasn't actively looking for a spouse and freaking out. He was obeying God and following what God wanted him to do. So that's point number one. Stop freaking out and really consult God on the will, on his will for your life and do that and um, watch him help bring someone along. And then number two, instead of thinking about a mate, go to sleep. Um, It says that God put Adam to sleep. And then when Adam was asleep, he Um, formed Eve from his rib. And so that's kind of cool. It's just like, again, kind of alluding or going back to the first point, just chill out and put those desires to rest for a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you, it's like you never, or like when you're in your house and you, you see something somewhere, you're not, you don't need it at that time, but you know where it is. And then when you need it, you can't find it. You know what I'm saying? So when you're actively looking for something, sometimes that's when it's the hardest to find. I think Nothing grows really well under pressure and you can't notice the growth. You can't notice. I mean, we say this, a watched pot never boils. And a lot of us are watching the pot of our love and relational life. Like guys, I literally, and this is me. And I think we've all done it. You can get to a spot where every single girl that walks by you, you're wondering, is she going to be my potential wife? Yeah. <laughs> and that will formulate and form the way you look at women and it will not put you in a right way. You need to go to sleep to those things. Yeah. So you build the way because those things don't accidentally die or naturally die. Once you do get with the person, your yeah. brain will still look at other people and be like, is that, no, I have a wife. That right. is not going to be my wife. <laughs> oh yeah. But the best way not to have that mindset is not to develop it in the first place. Right. Which is why it starts so young. And it's not irredeemable if that's already woken no, up. I'm, I'm proof that it's redeemable. Yes, I'm proof too. See? So last point, he said, uh, uh, God didn't hide Eve. So he didn't wake, he didn't wake him up from his slumber and said, all right, Adam, I have the perfect wife for you. She's smoking hot and she's hidden somewhere in the garden, uh, you know, and go a little bit closer, warmer, warmer, warmer. No, he didn't do that. He, she was there when he was awake. And so the points that he's making is if you, if your main concern is obedience and following after God's will, he will bring that person into your life at the right time and she won't be hidden from you. Um, it will work. And so don't get so caught up in searching frantically yeah. um, because sometimes the more you search for something, the harder it is to find. Um, and it's beautiful when you're just hard at work and then God rewards you with something. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Praise um, God. Yeah, we're, I, I we're forgot kind of those points. Those are great points. Yeah, those are. 
that was Bobby Endian. So yeah, that's awesome. And he's got a lot of great stuff on marriage and all yes. that kind of stuff too. Um, all right, wisdom of the day, and then we got to get out of here. Okay. Well, I'm gonna just say this. It's not gonna be real nice in a bow. Wow. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> it's not gonna be real nice in a bow, but I'm gonna say it this. First off, go with what the Bible says. Uh, for some of us, again, this is just my story. I like to follow a person because I thought if I could follow John Bevere's process of what he did to find his wife, then I would have a good marriage. But the Bible is not about following people's stories. It's about following their example of faith. And God's going to lead all of us different ways. Yeah. Go with the Bible says, God knows what he put in the New Testament about finding a wife. And if it's small, simple, and it talks a lot about you developing yourself, focus on that, develop that. Don't follow someone else's story as a roadmap. Follow relationship with God and you'll find yeah. the one. Amen. Yeah, I like what you said, and which would be my takeaway here is um, stop being so concerned with finding the one and become the right one, um, which is all about preparation. Um, so preparing yourself, if you really want to be married, then prepare your own heart and become the right person. Um, and I know I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, we talked about a lot of practical um, steps, but God's got obviously got to be involved in the process. And I would say, listen to the Holy Spirit and let him lead you and guide you. Even when you're making these lists and whatnot, God has to be involved because ultimately, if you make a choice out of your own will and emotion, it, it might work out, it might not. But when God's involved, he knows what's best for you and he's going to help you. Um, and again, we're not hating on the middle school boys, so sorry. <laughs> Absolutely not hating on the middle school boys. Yeah. You want to pray us out? Absolutely. Father God, I thank you that you build us for relationship. And Father God, I thank you. You designed marriage and you did write us an instruction book, many books on marriage, many books on relationships, but none of them stand up against the Bible. And Father God, we hold to your word, we hold to your spirit, and we hold to how that works together in bringing us into the relationships you've called us to walk in. And Father God, I just pray peace. I pray uh, focus on you and actually eyes off relationships, eyes on to you so that we can live a life that's significant for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was Save the Date. So we'll see you next time. And uh, <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you for faithfully listening to the Sewing Growing Podcast with Perfect. J&J.